Good morning, Lydia House. Good morning to you who are here, and good morning to those who are there. We've heard that there are a couple who are sick, and so we want to remember them today, and we're glad that you're with us. And uh, let me share something with you. We carry two passports. I think I've mentioned that to you before. But one is that we are citizens of heaven. Listen to this. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. I'm glad I'm a citizen of heaven because sometimes I see things as a citizen in this earth that are wacko. And I, I was just doing some work this last week on the uh, critical race th theory and uh, writing on that because it's just wacko. It's uh, Marxist. It's communist. It's, uh, it's against what this word teaches. So I'm thankful for who I am, that I know who I am, that I know where I'm going, and I know where you're going, too, because I know you. Margaret, I know where you're going. And I don't know, you may, you may stay here longer than me. We don't know when we're going. No. So, Karen, you join me in, in praying as we open up. Thank you, Father, your, for your word that says... My spirit abides among you. Do not fear. Mm. Thank you, thank you, Lord. We do not need to fear because, and Romans 15, you remind us of hope that we have. You fill us with joy and peace in believing so that we may abound yes. in hope by yes. the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we look to you, depend on you, and we thank you. Father, alleluia. You know what I've noticed in our marriage? I've noticed that you love the word of God. On the way driving here, she'll give us the word of God. In the morning, she'll say, here's some scriptures for this morning. So thank you for that. You've been a good example to me. There, yes, yes. So we've got uh, back there, we've got an offering box if you want to give. I know that Lydia House people love to give. So there it is. And we don't have lunch today. You don't eat lunch today, just so you know. You don't eat lunch today. You'll eat it next week, and we'll eat it together here. So yes, yeah, you don't have to wait long. And we'll pray a little later. Nate, go for it. Team, there's going to be a meeting like once a month with one coming up soon. Talk to CJ about that. Otherwise, Tim's in the know. You can talk to one of them about that. And maybe you're watching from home and you're thinking, hey, I get to enjoy what the tech team is doing because I watch from home a lot. Maybe I'll come once a month and help out. What a great idea that would be. Yeah. And it's somebody's birthday. Technically, the birthday was yesterday. But who, whose birthday was it? Do you remember? It was yeah. Bella's birthday. Yeah. Bella, how old are you now? Eight years oh, old. My baby oh. is eight. Yeah. Wow. wow. Uh, Paul, you know a song appropriate for this occasion. You want to sing that? Yeah. Let's do it. Happy 
birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Bella. May Jesus bless you. So we've been having a fun birthday weekend with Bella and nice weather. Why don't we pray more? Does anybody have any specific prayer needs that we can just join you in? Uh, healing? Is there a prodigal in your family that we need to keep praying for? We can pray for you. Let's do that. Let's pray for healing for Naomi, myself, anybody else who needs healing, you can raise your hand and let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are a God who heals. And you say it over and over again in your word and you command us to pray for the sick. So Bella, you're sitting next to Naomi. Can you put your hand on Naomi? Bible says, place your hands on the sick and they will recover. So we obey that Lord Jesus and we pray for Naomi. We pray healing into that body and that brain. We pray for no more misfires, no more seizures. And we pray for no more of the uh, muscle tensing up crampy things that plague her and are so painful. So we pray an end to that, Lord. We've been praying for 42 years, and I pray that it doesn't take 42 more. Let's, let's heal that thing, Lord. We're going to keep praying for it. And we pray for mom's leg. Great grandma's legs, Margaret's legs. She scraped herself. Oh, okay. Well, we pray for that wound to be healed. In Jesus' name, we speak healing into that leg, into her circulatory system. And we pray that it would be healed quickly. In Jesus' name. And for anyone else who is sick, or have loved ones at home who are sick, you can receive this healing for them. We just pray the healing of Jesus Christ into your bodies, into their bodies in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, that you're a God who heals. And we thank you, Father, for the healing that has happened in Joel and Anne, and continue that for them and for others that have been threatened by COVID or uh, some have been taken out. We're very sad for that. We pray for the, the, the family of, of Harley and Bev Schmidt, their son who was taken out in the funeral this coming week. We pray that you would comfort them and the wife in that great loss. Amen. Amen. And for Janice, who's a part of us uh, almost every Sunday here, and she's not here because she's sick. She hasn't said what with, but uh, said she would not be with us for a few weeks. So, Lord, bring healing to her in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Let's just take one moment. Uh, close our eyes and silently confess our sins before the Lord. Father, we repent of what we have done this week that was contrary to your will and what we didn't do that we should have done. We repent and we ask your forgiveness. Let's just take a moment of silence just to confess those things to the Lord. 
We receive your forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. And help us now to enter into worship. Lord, we want to continue to learn how to worship you in spirit and in truth with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so, Lord, we set aside any distractions that we might have come in with this morning, anything weighing on our heart or on our mind or just the busyness of life. Help us just to set those things down now. Just picture yourself tucking those things under your chair. We're going to set everything else down now so that we can focus on the Lord and on worshiping him. We thank you for your peace, which we're going to talk about today. Jesus, we thank you that you gave us your peace. Pray that you'd help us to live in that and push aside all of the stresses and worries and fears and anxieties that come against us constantly. We welcome you here, Father God. We welcome you here, Jesus, and we welcome you here, Holy Spirit. Let's worship. You can stand, you can sit, you can dance. There's plenty of room to do whatever you want here. Praise God. You stood. You stood before creation. Eternity in your hands. You spoke the earth into motion. My soul now to stand. You stood before my failure. And carried the cross for my shame. Your sin weighed upon your shoulders, my soul now to stand. So what can I say? What can I do? But offer this heart, oh God, completely. I'll walk upon salvation, your spirit alive in me, this life to declare your promise, my soul now to stand. So what could I say? What could hearts to the Lord. What can I say? What can I do? Offer this heart, oh God, completely to you. What can I say? What could I say? What can I do? 
stand with you, stand for you. Help us not to fall into that pattern of <clears throat> doing something wrong and then staring at ourselves and letting that keep us from walking and standing with you. Help us to learn how to receive your forgiveness and get back up and keep moving towards you. We rebuke the enemy and his attempts to get us to not go towards you, to get us to think we're not good enough, that we've messed up too much, that we can't approach the throne of grace with boldness, but we can, Jesus, because of what you did for us. Help us to remember that. Because there's a dying world that needs to hear it.
I'll see you do it again You made a way Where there was no way And I believe I'll see you do it again I've seen you move You move the mountains And I believe I'll see you do it again You made a way Where there was no way I believe I'll see you do it again When you move You move the mountains I believe I'll see you do it again Made a way Where there was no way I believe I'll see you do it again We'll see you do it again Oh, Lord, please do it again. We'll see you do it again. Amen, Lord, we believe that. We believe that, as Habakkuk said, we've heard of your deeds. We've read about your great fame. So do it again in our day. And we stand with Habakkuk, and we pray that in our day this morning. Show us your glory, 
to remember that you've already conquered everything that needs to be conquered. You've conquered death itself. Lord, we have no reason to fear. Perfect love casts out fear. Some of us live with chains of fear or anxiety or worry or stress. 
We command those chains to fall and that fear to bow its knee to Jesus Christ and help us learn how to live healed, how to walk in your peace every day. Help us to surrender that control. Surrender that control over our own lives and everything that happens to us. We've all surrendered that, I think. And yet we take it back all the time, don't we? Anytime something's not going how we want, we try to do it ourselves again, without even realizing it usually. Help us with that, Father. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to remind us when we're taking back control and when we need to surrender to you. Some of the messages that we hear are not from the Lord. And we need to sort out which messages are coming from him and which are not because some are assaulting us and we don't want to rethink them. We don't want to play them over in our, uh, our mental tape recorder. We want to dispense with them. We want to cast them out. And so I pray, Father, that you would allow us to see those messages that come from the sinister darkness and that we would not entertain them. We would not allow them to stay in our mind, but we would cast them out and surrender to your love and your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Your name 
cannot be overcome. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, you silence fear. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, your name. Light that the shadows can't deny. Your name cannot be overcome. Your name is alive, forever lifted high. Your name cannot be overcome. Your name is a light that the shadows can't deny. Your name cannot be overcome your name is alive forever lifted high your name cannot be overcome jesus jesus you make the darkness tremble jesus jesus you silence Jesus, Jesus, oh Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, you silence fear. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, sing Jesus again. Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. You silence fear, oh Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus, 
Jesus, you change everything. Jesus, you change healing for for Philip. Thank you, Lord. We've been singing about healing and uh, there's hope when that happens and we pray for supernatural healing. We prayed in the women's group and I just was feeling for him during this singing time. Uh, we're, our, our hope is in you and let Philip's hope be in you. He loves you, Lord. He reads your word. He prays. He's so kind to others. Lord, let him see that you are faithful. Bring healing to him, Father. I don't know if you want to say anything more, Naomi. And then also for uh, Laura Harris and Steve, we're not here. Bring healing to Laura. Let's take a minute just to kind of stay in this attitude of worship and just open our inner ears to listen to what the Spirit might have to say to us this morning. I did a little reading this week about the critical race theory, and this is not a political statement. This is a Christian statement. That is demonic, it's Marxist, it's, uh, it's tyrannical, and it doesn't belong anywhere in any university, in any school, under any circumstances. It's, it's totally against everything that uh, Christians believe. And so uh, I pray, Father, that you would give us wisdom uh, 
for those things that we are not to entertain, that we're not to take lightly, we come against the, uh, those thoughts that come from hell and stand against them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to start off with a horrible noise. Cover your ears. Cover your ears. <laughs> I was expecting worse. You're expecting worse? Yeah. I don't know. It was good to get the warning. The sound, the sound of an empty plastic bottle was like worse than nails on a chalkboard. Oh, Just whatever pitch that is, that's my button. I was once on an airplane for six hours next to someone who was doing this the whole time. It was my beloved nephew, Zabi, who is autistic, and the tactile and the noise is very helpful to him, so he had a great flight. I had a Jesus <laughs> kind of flight. And I could have had a better flight than that, but I allowed it to get to me. I didn't let it go, and so it was adding to my stress. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning, what to do and how to do it, because it's actually God's plan for us to not experience stress or fear or worry or anxiety in life. It's very good news. We can't stop those kind of things from happening around us and in our life. We can't stop those circumstances, but we can say no to the stress and to the emotional stuff that those situations bring. We don't have to let them in to our heart. So here's my opening analogy. We got two water bottles, right? Now the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 8 that we are pressed from all sides but not crushed. Pressed but not crushed. Life is very pressing. Life squeezes us, doesn't it? Anybody ever felt squeezed by life? I'm not the only one, right? And sometimes life squeezes a lot more. Sometimes it squeezes a lot harder. For some of us, it's right as we're trying to fall asleep every night, it feels like it's squeezing in. And I don't know if anybody's experienced that. Pretty normal. Life presses us no matter what. And as we're walking the path, as we're walking the way after Jesus, it actually presses us even more, doesn't it? But the Bible says we're pressed but not crushed. So we are either one of these two. And when life presses us, how are we going to respond? What's going to happen to us when life happens? Okay. So that stressful situation happens, we're, we're pressed, and it, the sides move in a little bit, right? We're pressed, but we're not crushed in this situation. The same pressure moves in here, we're pressed, and what happens? Crushed, that horrible, horrible sound of our soul being crushed. So we should drink more water. We should drink more water, yes. What, what, what's the difference, Paul? One is full, one is empty. One is full, one is empty. This is the natural state of the human heart. It's actually not empty, but it's definitely not full of this. This is the peace of God. When the peace of God is in our hearts, Colossians says that the peace of Christ will guard our hearts and our minds. So when we're already full, and when we have this cap, this is like an act of our will. This, think of it as the fruit of self-control, okay? When we choose to let Jesus fill our heart with his peace, and we choose to keep it there, then life can press us all it wants, but it's not going to crush us because we've got too much peace. And the peace of Christ is really powerful. If we don't, if we're just filled up by whatever junk the world is offering us, whatever junk our circumstances are offering us, then every time we get pressed, it's going to crush. And that stinks. Anybody ever felt like this? You can be bold. You can be honest. Everyone should be raising their hand, right? 
I mean, the, yeah. This is, I, I would argue this is probably the normal Christian heart instead of this. By normal, I mean average. Like, more, there are more of these Christians than these Christians. And Jesus is like, come on! I gave you peace. Guys, it's the best. You've got to use it. You've got to use it. Because if you don't use it, that's how you end up. You end up crushed, and that's not God's will for us. We're supposed to be crushed, but not crushed. Um, a long time ago, this guy named Solomon wrote... A joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit, anybody know the last line? Dries up the bones. So he's talking about the connection there between our heart and our body. A broken spirit dries up your bones. Solomon is saying, if there is something wrong in here, if you're going through stress, worry, anxiety, fear, stuff like that, if that is happening, it breaks your spirit, and it dries up your bones. It kills you physically. It causes physical problems in your body. Okay? Now, that was 3,000 years ago, give or take, that Solomon wrote that. Uh, science is finally starting to catch up with this idea, right? This idea that stress, and when I say stress, I'm kind of using it as like a big umbrella term. Put in your own particular favorite brand of stress, right? Anxiety, fear, worry, all that kind of stuff. It, it really all comes from the same place, which we'll get to eventually. That stress hurts us. And doctors are realizing more and more as they research things that it is actually one of the number one killers in America. I'm just going to go over a few of them. Heart disease is the number one killer in America. Stress is the primary cause, according to research. Cancer is the number two killer. Stress, one of the primary causes, according to research. That means you allowing yourself to experience worry about your kids, about the car, about the paycheck. You allowing yourself to be anxious about that thing that's going to happen or that conversation that's going to happen. You allowing yourself to get stressed out because everything's going wrong. That gives you cancer and you die, if you're a human being, which we all are. Alzheimer's is the number, or wait, stroke, number four killer in America. Primary cause, stress. Alzheimer's, number six killer in America. One of the primary causes, stress. Diabetes is number seven. Suicide is number 10. All have the primary cause of stress. Experience emotional brokenness, stress, worry, fear. That kills you physically. A broken spirit dries up the bones. So medical research is finally catching up to what we Christians have known for a long time. And that's why Jesus spends so much time talking about how to let go of that stuff and how to instead experience his peace. He hits it over and over and over again. And I'm just going to read through this list. Obesity, headaches, muscle aches, asthma, depression, gastrointestinal problems, accelerated aging, insomnia, mental disorders, hypertension, et cetera, et cetera. All of those have, as one of their primary causes, stress. So this is a bad thing. It's something that kills us. Let's just avoid it. Well, we can't. We can't just avoid it in the sense that we can't force our circumstances to always be perfect. We've tried. Has anyone not tried to make their life go exactly how you want with no problems and no stress? I think we've all tried, and I think we've all failed. Um, and part of that is good, because let's be honest, sometimes we need to experience those difficulties because God's will for us lies along that path. Right? When you make your little kid eat their vegetables, 
That's kindness. It's not mean. They perceive it as mean because they want to just eat cookies all day. Because that's great, right? But we know better, and so we help them. And sometimes God knows better. But just because a situation is stressful doesn't mean we have to experience the stress of the situation. Um, so what is stress? Uh, turn to 1 Peter 4. 1 Peter 4. Do you have anybody here who studied engineering? Software engineering. Software engineering? Well, you, you might have done this in physics. So stress is actually an engineering term. I don't know if you knew that. Stress is literally defined as a load or a force or a system of forces producing strain or causing deformation. Okay, a load, a force, or a system of forces that produces strain. In other words, stress is something that squeezes. It's something that crushes. It's something that presses. That's the scientific definition of the word stress. And so you can see why they use the same term for emotional stress, right? Because that's what it is. Life crushes us. It presses us. It pushes down on us. And that's what we experience. And just like in a building, or some sort of engineering project, it produces a strain or causes deformation. And we don't want that because we want to be pressed but not crushed. So 1 Peter 2, 1 Peter 2, 4 through 7, talks about God's plan to deal with that for us, which is super awesome. 1 Peter 2, I'm just going to read all of it, uh, starting with verse 4. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, behold, I am laying a stone in Zion, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to, to shame. So there it calls Jesus a cornerstone. This was a, an Old Testament prophecy. Do you know what a cornerstone is? It's a stone in the corner. Yes? Yep, it can, be, it can be, if you're making an arch, it's at the top of the arch. If you're making a house, you know, a flat roof house, then the cornerstone is obviously, uh, not obviously, but often in the corner. The cornerstone is the biggest, heaviest stone. And you either place it in the foundation or at the apex point, And it bears most of the building's stress. OK, talking engineering terms now. That cornerstone bears the stress of the building. There's that weight, that pressure. And it was prophesied in the Old Testament that Jesus was going to be our cornerstone. So Jesus intends to bear that stress for us. He intends to bear the weight, the pressure of the circumstances that are going on in our lives. He's not going to wave a magic wand and make the circumstances go away. It's not wrong to pray for escape from a circumstance you don't like. But that's often not God's will. It's often God's will to walk us through that circumstance, to help us in that circumstance, to help us to rise above that circumstance. He didn't save Jesus from the cross or the torture on the way to the cross, right? Because it was his will that Jesus go through that. And so sometimes it's our, God's will for us to experience that situation that is stressful or worrisome, like our job, or what's wrong with my kid, the doctors can't figure it out, whatever the situation is. 
it's God's desire to be our cornerstone, to bear our stress for us. It's like, you know, the, uh, the passage, um, take my yoke upon you, for I am gentle and humble in heart. In other words, yoke yourself to Jesus, and you will find, what does it say? Rest. Rest in peace. They sound very similar. So Jesus intends to do that. He's like the old mature oxen, and we're yoked. That's the big wood thing that goes around the necks of the two animals so that they're together. They move together now. They're a unit. I did? Sorry. No problem. And so we are a unit with Jesus. And as he moves, we move. And when you pair two oxen together, the older, more mature one is the one that does the most of the work. The younger one is learning. They're attached, and they're along for the ride to learn how to do it. But most of the weight is borne by the older ox. And Jesus is saying the same thing here through multiple different metaphors. He is our cornerstone. He intends to carry our stress. He intends to bear that weight, bear the emotional impact of that worry, that worry for our kids. That's not helping you. Even if what you're worrying about is, a, is, is something like, oh, I want them to come back to Jesus. And so you're worried about that. Should you not want that? Well, of course you should want that. But you need to yield the emotional negative aspects of that to the Lord, is what I'm saying. I'm not saying don't pray for the prodigal. I'm saying pray for the prodigal and then emotionally leave that on the altar when you then go off to do your next task. Paul talked about prayer a couple of weeks ago. And you leave some things. <laughs> See, I'm not saying don't bear that burden. I'm saying bear that burden when you need to. Otherwise, God bears that burden for you because he's his prodigal child as well. So yes, pray for those things. Yes, be concerned about those things, but then set it down. Don't let the worry in your heart so that now you're walking around all day worried about it. That literally kills you, okay? You don't want to go to Jesus 10 years earlier than you're supposed to, right? Because you got stuff to do. He's got a plan. And he wants you to be able to fulfill that plan and to walk without all the junk and baggage of all that stress and worry and anxiety. He wants to be our cornerstone. And he talks about this all the time, all the time. And that's the good news. The good news is we don't have to live that way. Again, we can't stop the circumstances, but we can say no to the negative stuff that it brings. Philippians 4, 6, and we'll talk about all these throughout the next couple of weeks. Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything. That's a command, and it's pretty straightforward, and there's no caveats or loopholes. Don't be anxious about anything. Done. Everybody doing that? Right? I assume you all obey the word of God and that none of you are anxious about anything. Right? Everybody's doing one of these. Well, that's one of those Bible verses that isn't serious. It is serious, actually. You're not supposed to be anxious about anything. Matthew 6, Jesus says, don't worry, period. Don't do that. Don't worry. Just don't. And as an example, he says, you don't know what you're going to eat tomorrow? Don't worry. Yikes. I feel like that's a big one. You have no food for yourself or your kids. And Jesus says, don't worry. I will provide for my children. How are we doing on that one? Coming up to the end of year, there's some maybe extra expenses or maybe something broke. Our air conditioner broke. We hadn't planned on that. Our garage door broke. Had to get a new garage door. I hadn't planned on that. Lots of expenses that we hadn't planned on. 
So are we going to choose to worry about that now and to be stressed about that? That would be the normal, the common, the most taken choice. We can instead say, nope, I'm going to trust. Trust is the opposite. The Israelites in the desert, God later commented on what was going on there, and he said because of their worry and their complaining, it was reckoned to them as unbelief, distrust. They didn't trust God. That's why they all died in the wilderness. God wanted them all to go to the promised land, right? Just as he wants all of us to go to the promised land. But if we choose to stay in the wilderness, he will let us stay there. Because he respects our free will. We have to choose to surrender to God in order to enter into the promised land. A lot of us have been wandering in the desert without realizing it for quite a while because we've chosen to stay there. And maybe we don't even realize we've chosen to stay there. We just thought, well, this is just what it is. It's just a desert. And God's like, oh, but I have so much more than that. You just got to cross this river. But the river's scary. I don't know. I'll help you. The Israelites didn't trust God, and that distrust was proven by worry and complaining, which makes those things sins, right? Yeah. We don't like to think about worry and anxiety as a sin or being afraid of the future as a sin. We don't want to think about that because that would mean we're all sinners like a lot, but it, it's a fact. The Bible says anything not born of faith is a sin. So is worrying about the future born of faith? No, because if you trusted Jesus, you would trust Matthew 6, and he said, I'm going to provide. Don't worry about the future, period. If we choose to be anxious about this event that's coming up that we're not sure what's going to happen, what does that mean? Well, if we're upset or anxious or fearful or worried about it, what might happen, that means we don't trust God for what might happen. If we trusted God that what might happen is going to be okay, one way or another, whether I get what I want or not, whether I get the promotion or not, get the job or not, God, I'm following after you. That's trust. Distrust is, oh, I hope it goes well. I hope it goes well. I don't know if it's going to go So, And I'm, I'm not saying don't have the drive to prepare for a meeting or something like that. Not at all. Not saying that. I'm saying we don't need to experience the worry and the stress and the fear of these things. We don't need to be afraid of the future. It doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect in the future, but it means Jesus is there, already waiting for us, and it's going to be okay. Trust is the opposite of this stuff. Matthew 13, the parable of the sower, he sows seed, right? And it, there's good ground, there's rocky ground, and then there's one where the seeds take root, but the thorns grow up. Remember that one? The thorns grow up and choke off those new plants. And what were the thorns? Anybody remember? What were the thorns that choke away the life of God, choke away the fruit? The cares and worries of life. That's it. Not the devil. Not great persecution. Not the government. Not, the government. Not coronavirus, whatever big bad you can think of. Not that. The seed takes root and it starts to grow. And it's choked out by who's the big bad guy who can choke out the life of God in your life? It's just the, the worries and cares of this life. Normal life. You got to get gas before your meeting, and you don't know if there's time, and you freak out. Now, that won't end the life of God in your life. That's a very minor thing. But 
if we keep letting these stresses in our hearts all the time, it robs what God has planned for us. And it literally chokes what God is trying to do in us. And we're talking about the word of God here. The seed is the word of God that grows up. Some of us have had prophecies prophesied over us, and that fruit hasn't grown up yet. And we're like, why not? Was that a false prophecy? It sure felt right. Well, maybe it's trying to grow up, and you're letting it get killed in your heart. Because, yeah, whoa. Because you're letting the worries and cares of this life choke off the word of God, which is what it does. It chokes off the good benefits of the word. So this is a pretty big deal. It's a super big deal. And I think this is something that a lot of Christians struggle with or maybe even don't think about. But you can let, by not doing a thing, just by inaction, you let the thorns grow up and choke off what God wants to do in your life. All you have to do for that to happen is nothing at all. To fix it, to make sure that doesn't happen, we have to do something. We have to act. We have to actively place our trust in God. We have to use... The fruit of the spirit of self-control to put that cap on the bottle once God fills us back up. Instead of getting filled up and then emptied out again right away the next time something happens, which is how I used to live. I would get filled up with peace and I would feel so awesome and had you know, such a great time with God. And then I'd go out and, you know, how, however long, fill in the blank, depending on the week. Could have been the day, could have been the week, could have been the next class. All of a sudden, I was empty again. And it was really frustrating for me. And I was like, why can't I do this? Why do I stink at the Christian life so bad? And part of it is we're all pretty leaky. That's why we need new every day. Your mercies are new every morning, just like manna in the morning. Manna is a representation of the word of God for us. We need God's life breathed into us every day. We need to receive that. The water, if you want to use that analogy, the rain of the Holy Spirit, we need it every day. Because we're a little leaky. But we can also choose to hang on to it and make a choice. And the next time that stressful situation happens and the car breaks on the freeway and you don't know why and you just have to pull over and go, now what am I supposed to do? I don't even remember because there's these cars going by really fast. It's going to be okay, God. I'm going to choose not to let that stress into my heart. And it's a choice. It's a choice. Paul shared last week one of the main verses of this topic which is John 14, 27. You can turn there if you want. John 14, 27. He says, Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives, i.e. expecting something in return. And then he says, do not let your heart be troubled and neither let them be afraid. So Jesus says, I'm giving you peace, my peace. I'll talk about that in a second. He offers us this peace. It's a gift that we can take, and he tells us how, exactly how to walk in it. My peace I give you, do not let your heart be troubled. That's how we walk in peace. Let means allow, okay? Do not allow your heart to be troubled. Just don't allow that to happen. It's your choice. We choose to allow our heart to be troubled or not. This belongs to God. We're still using it, but this is a sacred space. This is his space. I realize our spirit is not actually in the middle of your chest. I just, I don't know. This makes sense to me. And sometimes when I feel God moving, I do feel it here. So it, it, it sort of makes sense to me. But this is God's, right? We gave it to him. He bought it with the blood of the cross. And anything we let in here, we're, we're letting it in 
to God's space. We have to choose to let it in. Now, the problem is most of us are so used to saying yes to every stress that comes that it's a habit. It's just a habit. You know what a habit is? You make the same choice over and over again, and pretty soon you don't even think about it. It's repetitive, like brushing your teeth. Most of us don't think ready to go to the next tooth. Ready and go. Perfect transition. Perfect transition. I'm ready to go to the next tooth and go. Wow, we're doing great. We're doing an awesome job. No, we just go because we just woke up, or we're thinking about our day, or we're thinking about whatever. Or we're about to go to bed, and we're going through all our stuff. Did I finish everything? You know, because it's a habit. We know how to brush our teeth. Our brain just does it. Okay, so we are in the habit, most of us, of saying yes to every stress that comes into our life, every worry, every fear every anxiety. They all come at us in our circumstances, and we say, okay, well, obviously I have to be afraid because that's scary. Obviously I have to be worried because I don't know what's going to happen. Obviously I have to be anxious because of whatever other reason. I have so much junk in my heart, I'm just going to add some anxiety to it. I mean, sometimes there's no rhyme or reason, but we make those decisions. We just accept it. We just leave the doors of our heart wide open and say, come on in, all you garbage. Thou shalt find refuge in me. And that's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to say no. So what if the car broke? I'm going to get where I need to go, somehow. It's God's money anyway. It's God's money anyway, so what is it to me if he drains the bank account to zero versus he lets there be a ton and gives me free stuff instead? That's nothing to me. That's not my business even. It's God's business. It's his money. Am I hitting too close to home for anybody? We don't need to say yes to all the worry, anxiety, and stress. We can't stop it from happening. Those things happen in our lives. They are real. People get sick. People die. We lose jobs. Inflation makes food super expensive. Like, there are real things in this life that we would have every right to be worried and stressful, stressed out about. But we can instead choose to say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to allow my heart to be troubled by that. Do not allow your heart to be troubled. That's Jesus, right? And it's a command. Don't do it. Just say no. Any, was anybody old enough to have been through the Just Say No program in school? Thank you, Laura. I'm so glad somebody did, Paul. Addison, okay. The, the anti-drug program, Andrew, is Just Say No. You see drugs? Just say no. Someone offers you drugs? Just say no. Good idea, by the way. Um, so when stress or worry or anxiety and fear come my way, I try to like joke about it and say, ha just say no. And that makes me chuckle a tiny bit somewhere deep down. And then... I hopefully actually do it and say no. It's a little hard to walk out than it is to just read. <laughs> Don't allow your heart to be troubled. Roger that. Not allowing my heart to be troubled. And then something quite troubling comes by. And oh, but don't I have to be troubled by that? I have to. No, you actually don't. You're only here for a very brief time. This is God's life, not yours. We just have to make the choices that allow God to flow through us the most. We have eternity to rest. Or whatever it is that we want to do instead of what we're supposed to do. Sometimes this life is hard. Sometimes all the choices seem like bad ones. And that's just the way it is. And so Jesus gives us control of this aspect of our lives. He gives it back to us and he says, you need to decide. Are you going to take all this stuff into your heart or are you going to not allow it in? And you just have to choose. Um, because we're in a bad habit of saying yes to almost everything almost all the time, that habit needs to be broken and replaced with something else. And that's easier said than done, right? And so that's what we're going to talk about today and over the next couple of weeks, three weeks probably. Because I think this is a big deal. I think this is what the Apostle Paul is talking about when he says, walk by the Spirit. 
think walking by the Spirit means we are living in the peace of Christ. We're in that river. We're in the flow with God, and we follow where he goes. If we are not filled with the peace of Christ, we're too stuck in our own spot, and we're too busy trying to figure out our own lives and figure out, how do I make it till next week? I'm losing my mind. But when we're living in the peace of Christ, we get crushed. I mean, we get pressed, and it doesn't crush us. It maybe doesn't feel great, but we still got the peace of Christ in our hearts. And in, in that John passage, he, Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, my peace. So this is, just isn't peace in a general sense, like no one's shooting at each other peace, okay? Which a lot of cities could really use right now, by the way, even that most simple kind of peace. Chicago, it, I don't know how people live there anymore. Yeah. I, I've been praying for those, those folks, it's horrible. Um, and they're not the only ones. We can learn to walk in his peace. So what kind of peace did Jesus have? Well, you remember that story when they were on the Sea of Galilee? Jesus had a whole day of ministry, and he was tuckered out, right? He just multiplied, like, probably 10, 20,000 loaves and fishes to pass out to hungry folks in the desert. It had been a long, 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 miraculous, wonderful day, and now he was tired. So he's in the bottom of the boat, sleeping. The apostles are up on the boat, not sleeping, because their situation is quite scary. It's a really bad storm. They're worried they're going to capsize. And they're, we have like professional fishermen here, so I think you can trust that it was indeed bad. So the situation was scary, and they chose to be scared in that situation. They chose to panic in that situation, and they chose to be super annoyed at Jesus for sleeping through that situation. And so they wake him up, and they're like, don't you care that we're going to die, master? And what does like half asleep Jesus say when he rolls over? Oh, you guys. Where's your faith? And I wonder what they were thinking. Where's our faith? We're drowning in a minute. What are you talking about faith for? I, I believe, you know, you're the son of God, probably, but, but I'm still going to drown. But that's, no, Jesus says, where's your faith? He goes outside, and what does he do? He takes his peace and uses it as a weapon against the storm. And he just says, peace, be still, to that murderous storm. And what happens? The storm is still. Because the peace of Jesus was so strong, it could overcome the entirety of the atmosphere. Not just spiritually, but physically. The peace of Christ ended that storm and then allowed Peter to get out on the water, which is one of my favorite stories. That was a little bit later. The peace of Christ is powerful. That's what he gives us. That's what he gives us. And he makes a specific point to say that because at this point, they've learned how powerful the peace of Jesus is. He's used it enough times, and they've seen it enough times to be like, this is really cool. I wish I had that. I do not. I cut guys' ears off still. <laughs> right? And so Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives. I'm not going to give it, then take it back. Right? I'm not going to give it, then expect some sort of payment in return. That's not how this works. So we all have this peace. If we're God's children, we have his peace. And so are we going to use it or not? Are we going to use it? It is one of the most valuable gifts Jesus gives us, is peace. 
But like any other fruit of the spirit, we have to use it. We have to cultivate it. We have to work it. Because it's not magic. This stuff isn't magic. Okay? It's discipleship-based spirituality. Jesus doesn't magically come in and say, ha-ha, he will not receive any stress now because Jesus man is here and like the stress bounces off or something silly. No, no, no. The stress is still there. We have to say no. We have to exercise our peace. And when we first learn how to do this, the habit is not easy to break. I'll tell you that. Some of you have been working on breaking this habit for the last couple of years or so or longer, and that's good. Um, I've been working on breaking this habit. I still do it sometimes. When it turns out half of you have COVID and you've got kids doing distance learning and you're trying to juggle everything, it's very easy to say yes to some of that stress. And then to be like, why am I so, oh, shoot, okay, pause. And you have to pause and give that over to Jesus, which we're going to talk more about next week. But the peace that Jesus gives us, it will guard us, it will protect us, and it is a way better choice than stress. Experiencing the worry, the fear, the anxiety, it's just not fun. Peace is fun. It's awesome. It's really, really good. And it's going to, in many cases, literally save our lives. The devil wants to steal from you, kill you, and destroy you. And letting you be stressful and anxious kills your physical body. And so the devil is all for that. And he will tell you, oh, this is a bunch of bunk. What Pastor Nate's saying is just rubbish. Everybody gets stressed out. It's fine. Don't worry about it. But that's not what Jesus says. He says, don't be anxious about anything. He says, do not worry. And he says, don't allow your heart to be troubled. So we got to take the reality of what Jesus says against our own experience. And when they don't agree, that's time to figure something out. Right? When what Jesus says and our own experience don't agree, there's something going on. There's some tension there. We, we need to talk to some people. We need to share with some people. We need to pray. We need to study the word. We need to work through that and figure it out. And so if your own experience doesn't display that peace can triumph over stress in your life and you can say no to that, then I encourage you to, to work on it. We're going to talk about it more in the next couple of weeks. Um, but I encourage you to work on it. Um, we talked about the Israelites in the desert. But I really do think that the degree to which we worry about something is the degree to which we don't trust God in that area. The Israelites really, really worried about getting to the promised land. They did not think God could get them there. It's astounding to us, because we have the luxury of looking back and be like, look at all those miracles God just did. What's your problem? Why can't you believe? He parted the Red Sea. Of course, he can part the Jordan River, or even not. It's not that big. Just walk across it. Right? But they had real life stress, just like we do. They had terrible food every day. I mean, it was not easy. I'm not trying to make excuses for them. I'm just trying to say we're a lot more like them than we think before we go judging them. And they worried, and they worried, and they worried because they didn't trust God. And it was a pretty steep penalty. And I don't want to be there. I want to walk in peace. I don't want to miss out on any sort of promised land God has for me because I let the thorns of this world come and choke that off. The cares of this life. Have I done taxes yet? What's going to happen with my paycheck? What's going to happen with my kid? Just the normal cares of this life. They choke that life. They choke the word of God out. Yes. Uh, is there a... Yep. Sorry. Crab, yeah, I don't want to interrupt you. No, it's so good what you're saying. The thing that I wanted to ask you is the Israelites were told that they had the promised land, right? I mean, mm -hmm. they, they were told 
Moses was told and they told he told them, Hey guys, God said we got this land. Let's go, right? Yep. Let's go on this journey there and we're gonna get it, you know. But it's I think that others like in our lives, okay, we we're not told what our promised land is, you know what I mean? Uh, and so when you're like on a journey and everything doesn't go the way that you want it to go, then you have to reshift like your heart and go, okay, God, maybe my idea of a promised land isn't what you want for me. So in other words, it's all about surrendering. Yep. And like you said, trusting um, God for your future, for whatever it is, because then you do all, you do your part, right, to accomplish what you thought God's promised land was for you. But if it isn't happening, you know, that's where you can get really disappointed with God, yep. really stressed out, you know. Yep. So that's why I'm wondering, you know, as Christians now, you know, what our mindset should be, you know, only it's got to be surrender my life to you. You take me on whatever journey you want. But it, we also have to do our part, too, you know, yep. so it's a balance. It's hard to figure that out. You know what I'm saying? It is. And I think you I think you answered your own question. Surrender. Like we surrender to God, to his will. Trust is saying, God, I trust you, even though I don't know what you're going to do next. Even though I don't know exactly what's going to happen, I trust you because you're good. And I know you're good because you love me. So perfect love casts out fear. Right? We've all heard that one. So here's fear. How does perfect love cast out fear? You got love and you got fear. Well, there's a couple steps in between. When God loves you, you know that he's good. You know that God is good when you experience enough of his love. And if you don't know that you know that you know that you know that God is good, with a capital G, if you do not know that, you are not experiencing enough of God's love. You need to double down on the Father's love until you know that you know that he is good. And when you know God is good, you trust him. Of course I trust him. He's good. I don't know what he's doing. I don't understand him half the time, but I trust him no matter what. And then there's nowhere for fear to be because your heart is full. It's full of the spirit. It's full of peace. It's full of trust. When you trust God, there's nowhere for, for fear to be. It gets kicked out by this stuff. It gets kicked out by God. So that's how perfect love casts out fear. But we, we need to get a hold of that, that process and know where we are in that process. If we're not totally, totally sure that God is good, maybe something happened in our lives that we really didn't want to happen, but it happened anyway. Maybe our expectations in some area really were not met. Maybe someone died and we really feel it was not the right time for them to die. Whatever the situation is, if we've lost a little bit of that understanding of God's goodness, we need to experience more and more of his love, more and more and more of his love. Little kids know their parents are good because they experience their love all the time. God wants us to experience so much of his love that we're rooted and grounded in it. Grounded, another building metaphor. Jesus is the cornerstone, right, that bears our stress, and the foundation under the earth, that is love, his love. We need to be grounded in his love. And then we know that he's good. And so it's easier to trust him. And then there's just no place for fear to go. So if some of you are listening to this and being like, okay, don't be anxious about anything, Nate. That's, that's a lot easier said than done. 
and it is. Oh, Jesus says he gives us his peace, so just don't allow yourself to be troubled. Well, that's a lot easier said than done, too. The answer is, yes, it is. But perfect love casts out fear. This is one way that we can walk into that. If we're having a really hard time saying no to worry or fear, double down on God's love. And tell him, I need, apparently I need more of your love, God. And go after it. Study it. Look up the love of God. Get a, get a Bible study about it. Talk about it in a guy's group or in a small group or call a buddy and be like, I need to understand the love of God more. What do you got? How do you experience God's love? Tell me a testimony of when you knew for sure that God loved you and how that changed you. Get as much as you can. This is on you. Again, God, God's not into magic. He's not going to be like, you want to receive my love? Bippity-boppity love time. And then it's, yay, God's love. No. No. Ask. Then seek, then knock and knock and knock until that door is open. That's how it works. That's how things of the Spirit work. We have to go after them. It's our choice. It's our will. It's our self-control. And sometimes we use that will to lay down our will. So it sounds funny. Surrender, you're saying surrender, and you're saying use your self-control and will at the same time. Yes, I am. We surrender it to God, and then he says, good job. Now I give you this responsibility. Do this thing. Surrender to me. Say no to this stress. Say yes to peace. Study the word for a while. And if you don't have it, ask. And keep on asking. And if you can't find it, go seek it out. Figure out where it is. And when you find it, knock on that door until the door opens. And it might take some time, but you keep knocking. Because anyone who asks receives. Anyone who seeks finds. And to anyone who knocks, the door is open. And if you fathers who are evil know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more does the father... Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. The fruits of the Spirit, the benefit of the Holy Spirit filling our lives. But we need to choose to walk into that. It doesn't just bippity-boppity happen to us, which is annoying. If God won't magic away our bad circumstance, the least he could do is magic into us some feel-good juice. Right? We're all three years old, people. We are all three. None of us want to eat our veggies. None of us want to get up and get something for our brother or sister. We all want to fight over the toy that's rightfully ours. And anytime our parents say something that we don't like, we perceive it as horrible torture. We're all three. We need to grow up a little bit more and start being responsible. That's, this is one of the biggest things I've learned since becoming a parent, is watching my kids and being like, oh, man, and God being like, that's you. And me being like, oh my gosh, that is me. I'm the worst. And I'm like, okay, God, I'm never going to do this again. And then Andrew or, or Kaylee or somebody's doing something. I'm like, oh, and God's like, you know, you just did it again when you got that bad news and you choose to be like, oh, this is going to be terrible. And now you're worried about it. And now you're trying to find alternates to my plan for you. All right. Okay. And then I got it down. And then the next day I screw up again. That's life. That's the Christian life. It's not magic time. It's walk it out. It's hard discipleship. It's show up and do work. That's why the garden cultivating metaphor is so common in Jesus' teaching about the Holy Spirit. Because the fruits of the Spirit have to be planted, and then they have to be tended to, and then they have to be watered, and then you have to check them the next day and make sure there are no thorns. And we keep letting those thorns grow up, and we need to get in there, and we need to chop those suckers out. And that's the Christian life. And eventually, we've got something beautiful that we can eat, that will nourish us, that will nourish other people. You'll get to a place in your peace where you can bring peace to another family in crisis. 
when they're, they, they can't manage to do it on their own and you can bring it to them. You can get to a place in your peace where you can tell the storm, be still, and it'll do it. And I think that's God's will for us. It's his will for us not to experience stress and worry and anxiety and fear. We can't stop those things from happening, but we don't have to say yes to them. We cannot allow them into our hearts. And that's a tough choice. We're going to talk more about it next week. Anybody have any questions, comments? Gideon. Yeah, way better. <laughs> Um, I have something to say today, unlike the other days at church. Um, to be continued. Uh, so God made us and didn't want the forms to get us. Yeah, I know. It's kind of, yeah. Didn't want the foreigns to get us. Well, uh, well, we can get out of that situation and get peace, and yeah, have uh, peace and kindness, and give it to other people, even at when they can't afford it, can give it to other people, uh, yeah, and give the peace to other people, and yeah, that's good, yeah. Oh, that's good. Thank you, buddy. Somebody's paying attention. Yeah, I just wanted to respond to your comment, Kathy, um, just concerning, like, the Lord told the Israelites about the promised land. How does that translate to our life? Um, last week we actually talked about this and the part that brings a ton of comfort in the place of trouble is Jesus actually does tell us where we're going. In John 14, you know, Nate talked about verse 27. Jesus is actually repeating verse 1 where he says, let not your hearts be troubled. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would not have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to be with me with where I am also. So the reality is, is the story of Exodus is actually a foretaste of what Jesus is doing in the future, right? He's taking us out of captivity into the promised land of Canaan. But he's actually the real promised land is in his father's house with him forever to eat at his table. So though it may not happen in this side of eternity, it is going to happen. The promised land is truly Jesus coming back forever. And your destiny and identity is with him as a daughter. To sit at his table, to eat with him. And that's the peace of God, right? That's the peace of God that passes understanding that ultimately we don't even have to fear death. We don't have to fear financial troubles. We don't have to fear COVID. But truly, you don't have to fear death because you're never going to die. John 9, your soul and spirit is safe with Jesus forever. Do not fear that what man can do to your, your body. Fear what God can do to your soul. But your soul is safe with the Father in the new Jerusalem forever. Can you say amen, Lenny? Amen. Chris?
Okay. Um, I'm pondering the Apostle Paul um, and, and his writings to uh, Corinthi the Corinthians, and I'm po pondering personalities, people who are positive, people who are self-sufficient. Um, is it maybe more difficult for them? They may th we may have thought that we've released and given to God everything until he allows circumstances in our life um, that are beyond our control. Mm -hmm. uh, the same man, the Apostle Paul, who wrote, we are pressed on every side and not crushed in the present, he wrote that. He was also writing in the, in the past how he went through so many circumstances in Asia that he, uh, it was beyond his ability and he felt crushed. But this, and he's, then he wrote, this happened so that we would not rely on ourself, right. but on Christ right. who, rise, uh, who raises the dead. So, so maybe it has to be wrought in us and God will allows those things to happen so that we learn. I mean, the Apostle Paul was a few years in Christ, whatever, five, maybe more. When, when he was relying on himself more, and that's uh, sobering. So, um, and a, a great benediction, a great thing is what Paul also wrote to the other Greek church of Thessalonians. May the Lord of peace himself give you his peace. So Paul learned that. May we learn it, and may we pray that prayer for ourselves. May the Lord of peace himself give us his peace in every circumstance at all times. So if we pray that for ourselves and others. Amen. 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 Uh, Laura. I had a question mm -hmm. um, because this is something that I struggle with is knowing where the boundary is with feeling a feeling um, being humans, we have emotions. And yep. so how do you protect against feeling the feeling and knowing like this is an emotion, but then not letting it overtake you yep. in that? Because sometimes if we don't acknowledge our feelings, then we bury and then we create new problems for right. us later. Um, so I'm curious what you have I am, advice. I'm wise. half Scandinavian and half Scottish. So my <laughs> natural inclination is to hide all emotions until after I die, and then I don't know what happens to it because I don't care. Um, so the answer is yes. We don't pretend, you know, if we get in a massive car accident, we don't pretend that we don't care. We care. We don't pretend we're not in pain. We're in pain, right? So it's not delusion. The only thing I have found for me is prayer. I just go to the Lord, and I'm like, okay, Lord, I don't want to say yes to the stress from this the car accident, let's say. I don't want to say yes to the stress of this, to worry about how it's going to get paid and how am I going to get to work and all that kind of stuff. I don't want to say yes to that. I'm struggling with it right now, just so you know. Obviously, God knows. Um, so please help me. Please help me with this. I am trying to say no. Give me the strength to say no. I need your Holy Spirit. I need more self-control. I need more peace to get through this. And so... That's what I do. I say, look, this is, this is what's going on. I'm trying to say no, and I'm going to make a positive confession that I'm saying no to this, but I'm still quite aware it's there. 
just creeping around the corner like, you ready yet for some stress? Um, and so you got to make an active stand against it. And I, what, the way I pray is that total surrender to say, God, I'm pretty incapable of doing this, clearly, by myself. So I need you to help me. And then what I have found, and we'll talk about more about this next week, but I have found that sometimes I do say yes, or I say yes a little bit without really realizing it. And then, you know, you're, you're walking through your day and you're like, oh, gross. Okay, and then again, just prayer, quick prayer. God, I repent. I'm not sure what happened here, but I'm really angry. And that anger must have come from something, probably a situation that I'm in where I felt helpless. I don't like feeling helpless. I like feeling in control. And so, Lord, I repent of that. I repent of saying yes to that, and I give this to you and help me walk. And that's life. We go in and out every day. But we do get better as we go. It's like level after level. You know, so Paul had made it up to a certain level by the time he wrote that, and then he made it further later on to the point where he's like, I, I've been beaten more times than I can count. I don't even care anymore. It doesn't matter. I'm not here. Not even here. And I'm not there yet, right? But I think we can all get to that spot. Did you have a follow-up? I, I think in our culture, or probably in a lot of cultures, maybe it's humankind, we can justify our emotions. Like, yeah. well, that was anger, angering. Like, that really made me angry. And yes. and then you're like, yeah, that made me angry. And it just, yep. like, keeps going. And so um, it's... I, I've found it hard to stop it at, yes, that made me angry, but now what do I do with that? Or sad, or, you know, yep. most of it's angry because just something upsets you during yep. the day. And, yeah, how to, yeah. But but you did answer. I think it's just prayer. And, and we'll talk more about it next week. Um, my, my short answer is um, what my mom used to tell me ad nauseum, which annoyed me so much as a kid. My brother made me angry. He does, no one makes you angry. You choose to get angry. And I hated that as a kid because it didn't feel true. But I've come to believe now, at, through looking at scripture, I've come to believe that it is mostly true. We might have that initial response, but we can, we can rein that thing in. Again, it takes time and it's habit. If we're, if we're used to emotionally reacting to everything, that's how we do it. We don't know any other way. But we can, we can change that habit and we can unlearn that. We'll talk a little bit more about that next week, Steve, and then I'm going to close us officially that might be off oh the lord's been uh, on my heart i think that was kind of funny he was telling me hey, i got a great trade-in program and it goes back to that song i'm trading my sorrows i'm trading my shame i'm yep. laying them down for the joy of the lord I'm trading my sickness, I'm trading my pain. I'm laying it down for the, Lord, the joy of the Lord. And so when, if I get feelings that, uh, that, you know, that I know aren't gonna be pleasing to the Lord, I mean, fear does not please him. And then I just say, I would like to trade that in. I'll trade that in for some of your joy and peace. And it's just kind of fun and it actually mentally helps me put an end to that thought, you know. And then my son was asking me the other day, he goes, Dad, I get these thoughts coming in my head. I know they're from the devil. What do I do about it? I said, treat it like a phone call. And when you know it's a Satan calling and not the Holy Spirit, just say, oh, hold on, uh, Lord, this one's for you. And, and, just, and just, just imagine you're handing the phone off to the Lord and say, you know, uh, you're going to just have to talk to the Lord about this and hand it off to him. And it kind of clears it up a little. And the last thing, 
maybe the most important, there are donuts in the back there. We got donuts here. Praise God and amen for donuts. Steve, that's literally in my notes about the trade. Um, so we'll, we'll, we can touch on it next week because we're kind of going long. But God wants to, God loves, he's a little odd in this way. He wants us to trade all of our nasty garbage. He wants it. He's like, yes, give it to me. I can use that fertilizer stuff. Give me all your nasty garbage. Give me all those negative emotions. Give me everything, and I'm going to give you awesome stuff in exchange. Joy, peace. It's a great exchange. If somebody offered you gold in exchange for your garbage, like I will give you gold for your weight, whatever garbage you produce during the day. I looked it up. It said 4.4 pounds per person in America. That seemed high, but let's just pretend. 4.4 pounds of garbage is what you produce every day. What if somebody came to you and said, I will trade you hard gold for your garbage? Would you say yes? Obviously. That's about $100,000 worth of gold, by the way. That'd be a great deal. This is a better deal. This is an even better deal because no amount of gold can buy you life. No amount of gold can keep you alive 10 or 20 extra years. Peace can do that. The peace of Christ can literally do that. And it feels amazing. The difference in how you feel between the peace of Christ and stress and worry is ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. So we're going to talk next week more about how to get there. Uh, let me close, and then if there are a couple more questions, we can go there. Father God, we thank you for your peace. We receive it, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Jesus, you gave it to us. And we confess that we have underutilized that gift. We got it for our birthday, and we left it on the dresser, and it's kind of sitting there collecting dust. So, Lord, we repent of that because it is the perfect gift. It's exactly what we needed and wanted, and we didn't know it. So, Lord, help us to live in your peace, to walk in your peace, to be filled with your peace so that we can be pressed from all sides and not crushed as we walk through this life for you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine on you or smile on you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.